Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode one of season two of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Good. So if we're on season two, does that mean we get like replaced by better-looking podcasters or get special guests often? I mean, I feel like that's probably something that we should do is... Right. Either the pilot was okay, so now we get upgraded, or at least something happens? Well, truth is, we, we have an interview in the works, so sh- sh- we'll, hopefully we'll be able to release that soon. So how about we introduce everybody to the new season two? Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Less awkward than the episode of Scott's Tots from The Office. Join us. <laughs> Slightly. So strap in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. Uh, we've taken some input from all of you wonderful people, and we've revamped the show just a little bit so Season 2 can get on rolling. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. We're going to go through our must-pull recommendations of the past two weeks, our favorite new number ones, and we'll set up a new Lister segment. Sounds exciting, right? You guys get to be part of the show. We know we did that in season one, but you'll you'll hear more about that later. This is the Polis Podcast. So, Hector, let's talk about a few things that our folks need to know from the industry. And honestly, we we have to talk about the thing that we literally finished recording our last episode about an hour before DC Comics announced that Didio was was out he was released from his employ and we even talked about you know we always say dan should be on the show and dan you can still be on the show we still love you Um, absolutely you will be the third most attractive bald man on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and his goatee is magical so i i think that's something that we can hit because that's definitely a love thy nerd thing for us is the beardness and facial hair thing is is a thing for all of us but man it was so surreal um because dan had been doing i mean he oversaw rebirth which really you know increased their sales considerably over the last two years um made DC feel a little more grounded after the new 52. I know a lot of folks had mixed feelings about new 52 as a whole. Um, even though we got some great books out of it. We and it did, just seemed super weird. Felt way more like this is DC comics. New 52 felt like this is DC comics falling off a ledge, trying to grasp at being Marvel. And, like rebirth to me felt like course correction and right. Well done course correction. And it was, it, it got me back into reading DC heavily. Um, I had been kind of out of things for a while. And when rebirth hit, I was like, okay, I'll give you a go. It sounds interesting. It connected to the parts of new 52 that I personally cared about. And it did a great job. So for those that are catching up, uh, Dan Didio was a co-publisher with um, with Jim Lee. So they were the two core creatives. And literally two weeks ago, 
he got called back to Burbank, he was either on his way or was about to leave for Comics Pro, which we talked about in the last episode as well. And they were like, yeah, you should come into the office. And he was released on the spot. Um, there's been lots of different speculations as to why this is the case. Um, not sure that all of them have actually been solidified in terms of, yes, this is absolutely why he was released. But the prevailing assumption is his idea for what was going to come next, what was going to follow Rebirth, this supposed 5G, 5G. Fifth, fifth generation um, of the DC Universe had fallen flat internally, that some folks in the bullpen and other editorial were just like, I, I don't know. This doesn't feel as good as as what came next. We we don't know. Some individuals had a lot to say about it. Other individuals seem to be staying out of it. I know I've talked to some of my friends, and honestly, a lot of what they're feeling internally at DC is a bit of confusion, but that at least things are still moving so it's just, it's really strange. There's a lot of different things out there. And if you're curious, the 5G issue is what had supposedly originally been pitched is that DC would actually age out all their current superheroes. So Batman would get old. Not that that's happened before. Superman would get old. Not that that's happened before. Everybody in continuity would finally become older and a new generation would be required to rise up and create new superheroes or take on the mantles of those that came before them. So it's, in effect, Batman Beyond or Kingdom Come, but that would be canon and the history we move forward with. Correct. That is more or less what I've read in a lot of different things and what some people had insinuated. Um, we literally, you know, get what were Elseworld stories as kind of continuity. And I guess that didn't sit well. Um, that's never had a good track record of actually lasting. And um, that's kind of the issue that when this conversation has come up, that a lot of us are like, again, we're, we're not against new characters or even mantles being shared or passed along. It just, A, depends on how you do it. And B, that, yeah, unfortunately in comics, for better or worse, previous attempts at this have not landed well in the industry. That... People vote with their dollars, and dollars are what keep comics on shelves, so it it needs to make sense, and clearly... It would work well, as an Elseworlds, it would work as a secondary storyline, or an ultimate com or an ultimate uh, Marvel, right. so to speak, but as the main bulk of DC's identity, I honestly was not looking forward to it, because... You know me, a DC fanboy, but when I am yeah. low-key pumping brakes in my own mind of, like, this is going to be a cat catastrophe, you know. Right. And honestly, I think the biggest thing is we, we never really heard the full pitch. That we know that they leaked some stuff at San Diego and they had been testing the waters. And some folks straight up said, after the fact of uh, Didier leaving, being released, that they were happy because they thought his ideas were crazy. and But this is just mostly hearsay and some individuals that may just not have ever really liked who Didio was and what he was doing with the company. But all we know uh, after the fact is that the company has said they probably will not replace him, 
that Jim Lee will retain total control as a singular pun- publisher. We'll see. Um, but that kind of rolls directly into our next thing that everybody needs to know about. And so we are we are a pop culture podcast that talks about things that are relevant in culture. So that means we have to talk about the coronavirus. Okay. <laughs> Hector's like, do we? <laughs> and he's not wrong. But DC also announced this week, now two weeks after um, Didio leaving, um, that they will not be at Emerald City, which is usually the first major show um, of the year. Of course, C2E2 snuck themselves in a week early, and they kind of go back and forth on that one. Um, but Emerald City is usually kind of viewed as that big starting point for the season. And because they're up there in Washington State, which has got a lot of coronavirus stuff going on right now, DC's like, no, nah, we out. And honestly, lots of artists, publishers, and other folks are out. Like, Emerald City may actually be canceled over this, which is not nothing, to say the least. When but is Emerald City, by the way? It's technically next weekend. And so they are approaching the, are we going to do this or not? And honestly, my entire Facebook feed and Twitter feed are artists and publishers pulling out that I don't know who they have left, minus... I have two friends that basically did the we're going by darn it. Um, so we'll see. But more so important to the story is DC has literally pulled out of everything for the entire month of March and cited Corona. But it seems kind of convenient to the we, we've got some stuff to figure out, which is rumored that that is what's going on, that if they excuse me are in fact – um, going to try to come up with something new, it means they need to put all their brains together and come up with a new entire universe, existence, etc. like now. Because they were going to preview 5G at Free Comic Book Day, which is the first weekend in May. So... There's a lot going on right there. And something thrown together that quickly could also be just as bad as 5G. Yeah. So um, now here's the deal. I like because one of the things they were talking about the replacement of Batman and stuff. I would not mind reading that story, but don't don't take away Bruce. Don't take away. I mean, we're just as you know, it always matters what's happening with Jason Todd. And (laughs) (laughs) obviously, we need to know that Jason's going to be okay. Otherwise, Hector is going to just lose his mind. Yes. So, like, I don't need Jason Todd in a retirement home. I need Jason Todd still (laughs) being Jason Todd. So, mm -hmm. (laughs) it's going to be okay, Hector. It's going to be okay. (laughs) But the bottom line of all that is, is, is wash your hands, kids. Wash your hands. Well, that's the thing. I've got, personally, I've got two cons this month. And I'm preparing to host my first con I'm putting together in six weeks. So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of, like, you know, I don't want to see our whole society. You know, okay, first of all, I don't want to see people get sick and die. So there's that. Right. So before I say I'm totally selfish. That's that's its own concern, <laughs> but I don't want to see all of geek con culture, um, you know, collapse because this is the kickoff of con season. It's not yep. like 
this is like the preseason of con season, but it's still a strong season. But I'll say this. Uh, I had a con this weekend um, and it was the first time I've put hand sanitizer on my booth. And um, and then like, you know, there were certain celebrities and stuff that at the show I was at that were like, <laughs> you, you had to hand sanitize before you shook hands and right. took your photo ops. And they were literally uh, Clorox wiping phones before they took yep. selfies. And it was like, okay, I see you. <laughs> right. It's It's been a fascinating thing that is obviously impacted our culture in general, but it is more interesting, I think, for us to look at. We're, we are very personable people, us nerds, at our shows, and the gathering of nerds is what brings us together at these shows, and like you said, this is potentially threatening that, and... What could that potentially do to the greater fabric of of who we are as fans and everything? So I'm keeping an eye on it. I I kind of have agreed with a lot of you know the health folks though of it. It's scary, but it's not that scary. Like technically, the flu still is worse, y'all. Um, but maybe what we get out of this is that. More people just wash their darn hands because the CDC has been saying that forever. So be be smart, but don't go crazy. Um, I think that's all really everyone's asking for each other. But DC's got a lot going on, and we just wanted to bring an update to those two things. And so the last thing that you absolutely need to know uh, out of the last two weeks is Marvel has set up themselves for their big summer event, as many you comic book nerds new summer is kind of event season sometimes events just kind of float across the year depending on the publisher but for marvel they usually go big going into the summer and i think we teased it last time but get ready y'all marvel empire e-m-p-y-r-e is coming it is the next big event and because you needed to know about it the scroll and the kree Two alien races that typically have not gotten along, in fact, they've been at war for a very, very long time, are going to join forces in their recognition that those stupid Earthlings are actually the problem. So they're a coming for us together. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I think Hector (laughs) nailed my personal opinion on this one, which is... We needed this? Oh, of course. But why? Because when you can't develop characters further, you throw an event at them. Basically, that's about the two cents on that one. But I'm just going to place this marker at this point in the episode for all of you that are now extremely upset with Hector and I. We have a lot of incredibly good things to say Marvel before this, this episode is over, and that's not sarcasm. In fact... Just looking down the sheet, we're going to talk about DC, but a majority of our top picks are coming from the Marvel side of the house, and it's outside of events. So and, we'll talk about that a little further down. And let me just, just throw out throw shade on my own side of the yard. Um, uh, when we're talking about throwing at events, throwing events at characters when you can't develop stories, um, Doomsday Clock, Event Leviathan... Year of the Villain, um, 
just just splattering that across the canvas um because outside of tom king and tom king um <laughs> there wasn't oh, a ton oh, of no. character development going on in the dc universe last year i will say this that you know um there was some solid character development in other areas but you know it was a lot more event driven um i feel like what Dick Grayson has been going through since issue 50 or whatever of his book has been um, solid or issue 50 of Batman, wherever he got shot. Um, I feel like Dick Grayson's arc has been a fun story, but it's almost event driven as well. But, you know, please understand, it's not just a Marvel shade. I think that's a comic book trope that when you can't develop a solid story or have anything meaningful to add to a character you throw a generic event. Yep. And so there, here we are. Here we are. We are heading into event season. Like aging all your characters out. Um, <laughs> Dang it. So. <laughs> but that's what you need to know. Our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering you all of the inside knowledge that's relevant. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Community there on the Book of Faces. Hit that join button and begin your geeky adventure together with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or even maybe what we missed. We occasionally miss things. Not that we would admit that openly, but we we miss things. So that's kind of getting fed from the fire hose from the industry. So let's move on to kind of our newly revamped section on talking about all the wonderful things that we have pulled out of our box, our pull list for this week. And we are going to give each and every one of you our top four from the last two weeks. And then we'll spend some time talking about the new number ones that you absolutely need to take a look for this week. So Hector, how about you kind of kick us off on what really jumped out at you in your ongoings for the last two weeks? Uh, straight up, the best thing I read was Curse of the White Knight, uh, number seven. And uh, it stood out to me way above everything else. Like, I had to go back and look at what I've read the last two weeks, where Curse of the White Knight still left stuff burning in my mind. Um, mm. Like, uh, I honestly thought when I was reading Curse of the White Knight 6 that that was the end of the story. Um, like, I right. thought I thought they were, okay, it's over, cool, you capped it, good job. Um, and then, like, when I got to the next page, I'm like, oh, there's an issue 7? Um, so I really feel like a lesser storyteller or um, a let's get out while the getting's good would have bailed at issue six and called it a day. Um, but I think what they're going for do with, I know it was like the first one was an eight issue run and I get that right. It was eight issues. Right. That sounds right. Uh, um, that's what I remember. Um, that the first one was eight issues, but I'm like, there was so much actual character development. Hey, hey. um, in issue eight or seven of curse of the white Knight that I, literally thought about that issue while I was reading other issues um, that I just, it was so solid about what they're doing with Bruce Wayne about the way it relates to Gotham. And I am not a shipper um, in any terms. I don't 
read or watch or play things and think, boy, I hope these two people get together. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's like, you know, my middle school daughter is like, oh, this kid, this person ships Todoroki with Ochako and it's, ha, ha, ha. I'm not that guy. Um, I don't care. <laughs> Are you sure? You kind of sounded like it for a minute. Though. Um, I don't care about who, you know, forcing relationships for my own entertainment value. But I will straight up say that the palpable tension between mm. Harley and Bruce in the this second White Knight series is literally electric to me. Um, I came away the same that I thought earlier this was being teased and I was like, surely that's not what's being teased. And then we got to this issue. I mean, and it's, and it's like literally, you know, I just got, I freaking got goosebumps just talking about it. Um, But like, you know, this has been, I will stand, you know, Harley, I've said for like a minute that Harleen is the best DC outing in a minute. Yep. But if you take Harley Quinn's arc from uh, White Knight and Curse of the White Knight as a whole, nothing right. has been done to further the character of Harley Quinn or maybe any other DC character. Because if we're super real, uh, White Knight has been more character development on Harley's part than Batman's. It's true. She kind of goes from that complete endearment to being trapped with the Joker to realizing who she truly was in Jack to then the complication of she's got Jack's kid. And then like what happens with, you know, the climax between her and Jack, just the whole deal. But like the, the moment of Harley just like grabbing Batman's hand and saying, you've got your friends. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to turn the page. Like literally it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But it has been super solid where Harleen has been amazing in giving us the best backstory on Harley. Curse of the white Knight has been giving us the best forward motion story. And I still firmly ascribe to, and I asked Sean Murphy about this when I spoke to him at a con, um, is this canon Batman the Animated Series uh, future? And he said, I can't call it canon. Um, but right. uh, what he's doing is loosely attached to Batman the Animated Series. And so this is the best development going forward from Batman the Animated Series on. Um, so Curse of the White Knight is literally my favorite book that just this past issue if you would have asked me issue six it wouldn't have been issue seven freaking nailed it um yeah they turned a heavy corner there oh and a a showdown's coming oh yeah and that's yeah it's gonna be dope um so jumping off of my batman train over to uh marvel wait what yeah hold hold on wait you're you're gonna talk about only marvel for the rest of your your weekly polls i am i not only am i going to only talk about marvel I'm going to only talk about X Men. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Um, so that's the nope. thing. Yeah, not lying. Um, that's the beauty of this is we want to talk about the really good things that are happening across comics. So yeah, for all you haters that think we don't know, we know. We know. So have at it. Have at it, Hector. T- uh, tell me why I need to pick these books back up because I still don't believe you. Um, and understandably so. Um. 
So, uh, X-Men issue seven, uh, we see, um, a whole focal issue on the spiritual relevance of what is going on in the X-Men world, because the X-Men have come up with a, if you haven't been reading, um, since, uh, what were the two, like, launch books, House of X and Powers of X? There we go. Um, since House of X and Powers of X, mutants have developed their own island, their own world, their own sovereign government, their own medicine, and they're living separately. But one of the big kickers is they have the power to resurrect any mutant that's killed um, through the power of five mutants and some pods and some clever trickery. Um, so, if Gold you, balls. Huh? Gold balls. If you kill any x-man or any mutant um they literally get rebooted and come out and not only do they come out they come out fresh and clean and you can actually add or subtract stuff from their character or powers um based on uh their desire um and so people are actually adding stuff into their wills like add a little magneto in my powers or whatever um but so the whole deal is uh, the whole issue seven of X-Men focuses around the spiritual discussion of what happens with our souls, specifically the mutant souls when they're dying and rebooting their souls over and over again. And it's this existential conversation between uh, Cyclops and Nightcrawler and a lot of what Nightcrawler is doing of how he is dealing with the fact of how he can reconcile his faith with um what's happening and uh literally the the climax of it and i'm not going to say this is a spoiler it's just the tone of it is that he is going to have to hardcore examine his faith and probably change how his faith works in regards to it i'm not saying that this is the um you know something to endorse in that yay let's you know you know in the whole vein of Rhett and link and everything else let's deconstruct everything or whatever um it's not that but honestly sitting back and watching wolverine cyclops and nightcrawler have a 28 page spiritual discussion was dope um so there was a lot to that just about the value of a soul and all that goes with that um so that's man that's that's pretty wild and nightcrawler is one of those characters that through his entire existence has always latched on to his Christian faith. So I'm really glad that that's being, that Hickman is having that discussion given the reality now that he's part of a group of folks that literally can resurrect the dead. Yeah. So if you aren't reading X-Men, you can pick up issue seven just for that discussion. So <sighs> Fine. You better. Um, <laughs> so that's X-Men. Number seems, s- seems, seems relevant. So yeah. Um, X-Men number eight, um, or sorry, X-Force number eight, uh, which was one of my other picks is a Domino and Colossus heavy storyline, which I am a big fan of Domino and Colossus as a couple. Um, I'm a big fan of Domino in general, um, especially since Gail Simone had her hands on her. And, um, this is the first issue featuring domino primarily that felt like gail simone was back i know she didn't write it but this felt like gail simone era um domino so 
there's that. But it's it's solid uh, Domino and Colossus stuff, and there's a whole great story arc about how the pain we go through makes us who we are. So, uh, because Domino like is having a discussion with Colossus of if I die, make sure I get all my pain back. Um, hmm. she's like, don't let me come back free of the struggle I've gone through. Make sure I come back with every bit of suffering I've endured. I don't want to forget. Um, wow. and so, I mean, it's just like free taking some freaking deep swings, um, at, you know, character and integrity and morality and stuff like that. And then on to less of character, morality, integrity, um, is Marauders number nine, which I think we're like four or five issues since they killed Kitty Pride, Um, and they have yet to bring her back. Is Be- that, is that still an issue? We're not still not talking about the, or her being gone and dead and all that. Yeah. Well, they're talking about it. Um, okay. They're acknowledging it, but she's not back yet because for whatever reason, Krakoa, which is the island all the X-Men live right. on, does not recognize Kitty. Right. So uh, this can also be connected to the, can can they resurrect someone that the island and their powers don't recognize, I'm assuming, is kind of kind of the, the world disc- they're setting up? Yeah. yeah. And that's, so there's this whole thing of they're on like five or six tries of trying to bring Kitty back and Emma is struggling with, uh, you know, what's going on. But, you know, the crazy part is who the villain of this issue is. It's freaking Yellow Jacket. Um, okay. The Ant-Man that, villain. There you go. Right. Oh, um, um, yeah. Right? Isn't that Yellow Jacket? Yeah, hold on. That sounds right. Because that's the villain from the last Ant-Man movie. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, so Yellow Jacket uh, has hitched a ride inside of Pyro's brain. and uh, Oh, snap. <laughs> And so uh, another way, because a villain's constantly trying to infiltrate Krakoa, um, <laughs> Yellow Jacket has stowed away in Pyro's brain. And literally, it, this issue of Marauders, which is issue nine, reads like Inception, like the DiCaprio uh, movie, Inception, Tom Hardy movie. Like, uh, okay. it literally is layer upon layer of mental trickery. Um, like trying to keep Pyro from getting exploded. But the thing is, because it is Inception, you see some bananas deaths and carnage that you don't know what's real and what's not real. And so this was a page turner in the aspect of, I didn't know how seriously to take what I'm reading. Um, but there wasn't a moment like literally Marauders nine is the most entertaining one since you saw Kitty Pride get like knuckle tattoos, um, and like issue two or three. So this was straight up the most entertaining X Men book in a minute. Um, so those are my the out of the last two weeks. Those are my favorites, just fun reads. So. Yeah, and Ye- Yellow Jacket actually was created by John Byrne, um, all the way back in Marvel premiere 47 back in 1979. So he would have been used in earlier X-Men stuff and definitely some of Burns run and then was reintroduced in Ant-Man in 2016, just leading up to the movie. So 
I really dig when comics kind of dig back to the old school and remind us where some of these folks have come from. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in our number ones of the week because we're going to talk about, you know, Adam Strange and people are going to be like, wait, what? (laughs) And valid, super valid. Um, That's deep cut for DC. So, yeah, it's kind of neat to see Marvel doing some of the same things. Comics are comics. That's one thing that I do enjoy about it. So, fascinating. So, the world of X-Men has recaptivated you is what you're telling me. Well, those three books specifically, because those are the three I haven't given up on yet. Um, the rest of them, I made it one issue deep and bounced. So uh, that's I, that's there, fair. There could be more going on, but those are what I still know about. And the title of this segment was, you know, our top things from the last two weeks. So I got you. And that's great. So let's see. I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm going to start by talking about Batman and specifically Batman... Batman Number 90 um, was the latest installment in the long run of Batman. So all of you have heard me say over the last couple of weeks that I'm kind of in this love-hate relationship with the current Batman run since Tom King came off the book. And I still kind of am, but this book made the list this week because I saw at least some insight to the greater story arc that is trying to be laid out here. It still kind of feels like something from the 90s, um, which I'm not sure if that's bad or good yet. But as we get introduced a little more to this new villain that's calling himself the designer, other than the fact that the designer has absolutely no skill in designing villain costumes, which you have to open the book and see for yourself. It's Macklemore. I I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But... Apparently, his gifting is that he's just, he's called the designer because he's super smart and he is, he gives me that Riddler feel um, that they kind of tried to do in other things of that he's so far looking down the road that he can knit together these perfect plans and supposedly that's what he's done. And he's pulled together a small group of supervillains in the Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, and did I say Penguin? Did I start with Penguin? Yeah. Joker. So those four. And he invites them to his creepy house out in the middle of the ocean and basically says he knows how to take down Gotham. And he kind of does these interviews with each one of them, tells them the plan and how they're going to play out in it. And the Joker is the Joker. And well, just to, it's not just gives them a plan. He's helping right. them level up their game. Right. He's teaching them how to, he claims that they're all like level one, level two supervillains. And he wants to make them, I think the book said level 13 to 15, something like that. It was, it was like 10 points higher. So he wants so, them to go beyond plus ultra. Yeah. Plus ultra. Um, that, that sounds right. Um, and things kind of go sideways. They, The Joker is Joker, ends up killing him. They burn the place to the ground, never speak of it again kind of thing. And Catwoman's admitting finally to Bruce that she was part of this and there's more to the story and everything. So I'm like, okay, we have a classic rogues gallery back in Gotham, uh, a crazy villain that doesn't know how to dress himself, and then an absolutely insane dude that takes people's teeth out of their head and embeds them in their stomach when he kills them, but we don't talk about him as much as the other guy. 
Okay, that's pretty crazy. I'm down for where this story can potentially go because it implies that Catwoman has another, now that her and Bruce are back together and everything's cool, that she still has another very deep secret to tell that she hasn't told yet. So it's not giving me the same feels as I had for King in terms of the visceral response of things, but it's kind of action-packed. And at times, I just want a comic to be a comic. And I think this is hitting the epitome of that with the rogues back and some big secret plan to come. So I'm in for it. It just made me sad that Catwoman's level 13 stuff was just steal from Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Right. And that's right. And that's the thing is you're in level 13. Your involvement in this is we need as much money as possible. And Bruce is like, cool. So you're here to take all my money. (laughs) Oh, comics. So Batman 90, um, the arc started, you know, back in 86. Um, but it's, it's worth a ride if you're in for Batman and classic Batman goodness. So now's the time when I transition to nothing but Marvel books. So told you guys there's Marvel is doing a lot of really good things in their individual issues and their individual stories. I, I literally had this conversation at my shop this week of, I don't need Savage whatever. I don't need Noir whatever and Empire whatever. Do the things that you're doing in some of your individual books and just do it well. Daredevil number 19. Chip Zdarsky is still crushing this. And you hear Hector and I talk about it every week. It's because I've read every issue. (laughs) And this week, Daredevil is still dealing with all the stuff that we've been telling you about of his faith and actually helping the city. Wilson Fisk is still, you know, he's still the puppet of these other folks that just have more money than control than he does. It feels like a story on its head. But then Chip Zdarsky throws a rogues gallery at Daredevil. And we get classic stilt man. You heard me, right? Bro, I freaking S- clapped when I got to Stilt Man. Like, stilt Man, y'all! Especially after that Spider-Man issue um, with the uh, kid in the hospital. Like, that one. Like, when I got to a Stilt Man story, I'm like, I see you. Good job. Right? I, I like, you give me Stilt Man. Um, well, you, okay, for the record, you know what this is? This is DC. Or this is DC's influence with Tom King and Kite Man. And if, <laughs> if he says, if he says, hell yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> this is Marvel trying to make Stilt Man, Man their Kite Man. Yeah. Stilt Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, gives us an updated Crossbones, which we'd seen in and out of uh, the Marvel Universe, uh, the cinematic universe, and supposedly we'll see again. Um, in the near future, and Rhino. So you've Good usually Rhino, only, by the way, right? And I'm just like, wow. I was like, okay, so you kind of went deep on on the Marvel cut stuff as well for bringing a rogues gallery to just bring chaos down upon Hell's Kitchen, and that's all that they're serving that purpose. And I'm like, okay, so we've gone from super deep, serious introspection to we still live in this world and craziness is going to abound 
And oh yeah, they also brought Bullseye into it. So it's like you literally have four utterly insane villains in this new rogue gallery. And Bullseye in this version is also one of the most disturbing versions of him I've seen lately because he's like, I'm just killing everything. Yeah, zero and who, cares. And who brings, zero cares applied. Who brings Bullseye into an agreement with a casual, a limited casualties agreement going on? I mean, right. like, what? They, Come on. These guys were brought together to cause chaos, but supposedly they were told, but you know, don't, don't go nuts. And Bullseye's like, cool, I'm here to kill everything. And it's like, oops. But so the chaos is just raining in Hell's Kitchen. The local authorities won't even go in anymore. And they're trying to just bring Daredevil out. And a cool story of all the people that filled the gap that started putting on the mask to care for Hell's Kitchen when Matt Murdock disappeared, you know, show up to a fight that they are massively outgunned for. And that was a really touching moment in that story, I thought, as well oh, as that a, com- a community rising up to care for itself, even knowing they're going to get destroyed. Um was a really neat thing. And part of Murdoch's thing of he looked at these people and went, they, they filled the gap when I disappeared and are paying for it still. So is what I did ultimately right. And then all of that leads up to the very last panel of the book, which I will not give away, but made my jaw drop because Sadarsky hid a major villain in plain sight, pretty much his entire run. And I can't wait to see him unpack the conversations that occurred. Now, and to, because I think, now knowing the motivation, my head hurts. I truly think that, uh, like Daredevil was in on that. By the way, ooh, interesting. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent, like from where I stand, that Daredevil knew that the entire time. So it'll be interesting to see which of the two versions we get. I honestly hadn't considered that. But now that makes an interesting discussion as well. Um, so you need to read it. Daredevil 19 is when Daredevil like kicks up a notch and we go full Marvel. And that's a good thing. And talking about going full Marvel, <laughs> Ant-Man number two is one of my top picks from the last two weeks. Sorry, not sorry. There's only five books in this run, which still makes me sad, but... Ant-Man continues to be everything that I want an Ant-Man book to be. And it also was self-aware to the point of making fun of itself that, you know, his daughter is like the, one of the opening pieces is his, his daughter's talking to um, her mother and being like, I got an offer to join the Avengers. And there's a beat and she goes West coast. And her mom's like, so that's a no. And that's just funny to me because West Coast Avengers, everyone either absolutely adores and loves that series as it's been, or yep, it's the, it's the D team. It's not even the B team. It's the D team. That's like, yep, I'm down for this. And so I'm just here for that entertainment value. And Scott literally just gets pounded for an entire book and that's kind of Ant-Man's world, right? He like ultimately makes impacts in his world, but usually while getting his butt kicked over and over and over again. So I'm here for it. It's funny. It's witty. And it's everything that I want from a comic some days, which is just mindless action and good humor. Cause it's 
part of that escape. It's part of that thing, and Ant-Man's just doing it really well. So I think they're going to have a really strong mini here, and maybe we get lucky and Ant-Man comes back in an ongoing, if enough of us go and pick this book up. Hint, 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 hint. Go, go read Ant-Man. Um, no. And then f- finally... <laughs> oh, dang it. No. <laughs> nope. No brooding here. We're talking about Marvel. Um, and then finally, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme number four is another book that I've been talking about the last few episodes. And I'm still down. It's really wacky to see like the talented surgeon in Strange going after folks and doing things and then being like, okay, I got to jump into this portal to another dimension and magic up some bad guys. And it's literally a time management story. There, there of, has to he be can't a better be everywhere term than magic up. Like <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> there, I mean, gonna, there's gotta be a clever term. <laughs> he's a, he's a sorcerer Supreme. I don't know. I don't write these things. Well, I guess I do. So yeah, he gets his magic on and does crazy things on the other side of the world. And it's great. And it's just like Ant-Man that it's kind of witty, but it's also most mystical thing that you're going to get outside of what X-Men's going on right now. So, you know, Mark Wade's all in on this story. And so far it's been a ton of fun. So if you're looking for fun reads that also harken back to a Marvel that I think all of us really enjoyed, Daredevil, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, they're doing it. So go read those books. Man, we so kind of the Spider-Man's name in here in forever. Yeah. Well, it's because I'm really only enjoying the Abrams run and the book release of that is painfully slow. They've been great, but I feel like they're every two months. It's it's slow. So more on that. So the next thing that we really want to talk to you guys about is we want to give you just a real quick hit on these are the number ones that came out in the last two weeks that we think are worth your time. So, Hector, what you got at the top of your list? New number ones last two weeks. And by the way, there won't always be new number ones, but like sometimes right. it's easy. You know, these are stories worth considering. Um, I'm going to go with uh, man. What's her name? I yeah, can... you might want to look that up because <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, you're going to um, say it wrong, but yeah, it, go for it. It's a uh, Mirka. Hold on. Oh, I was almost there. It is Mirka Andolfo. There you go. Uh, she is the uh, author of. Okay. That book we read all last year. Unnatural. Unnatural. There we go. Yep. Unnatural. And, you know, just making the full disclaimer here that this is not family friendly. This is not the book you want to uh, recommend to your kids or anything like that. Um, this is straight up uh, crazy violent, but uh, she did the series Unnatural, and she's also her artwork is fantastic for stuff like DC bombshells and stuff like that. But uh, Unnatural was a lot more of a, uh, you know, th- they really played the sexuality of the covers and stuff. I think to appeal right. to a certain demographic, but honestly, the story was solid. This apparently actually is giving her a chance to tell a story without overhyping that. Um, yeah, I think so, at least so far. Well, at least with the first cover of the first issue. But Mercy follows the story of 
Um, I don't even know how to tell you what it follows the story of, but uh, it's 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 got a fantasy vibe to it, kind of a steampunk vibe to it. It's got a steampunk vibe. It's got a Lovecraft vibe. Um, and we don't we don't really know what it's truly about yet. Um, but it, I will say this: it has a very Lovecraft vibe of like uh, Cthulhu and Cthulhu. Cthulhu. There we go. Cthulhu-ish creatures. Um, a woman with a, a savage need to, I guess, feed on humans. Um, a woman haunted by nightmares. Um, but basically, it follows. A small town and this lady shows up in a carriage and chaos is ensuing but uh like you know it felt very much like an hbo pilot of like you and i both know because mark mirka does more adult stuff that as we're reading the first half of this book and they're like oh it's kind of squeaky like there's nothing sketch going on um this might be a book that's relatively wholesome and doesn't have like nudity and then like it, it turned that corner real hard towards the end and yeah i then, was thinking the same thing i was like huh okay i was like okay this might be a solid you know clean book and then you turn the page and not only is that not the case it's really not the case um <laughs> so it goes yeah. it goes from some hbo uh game of thrones season two level stuff to like brutal violence to all sorts of craziness but if a lovecraftian uh period piece in the 1800s um with like that kind of got that kind of gothic vibe is your deal um and this i'm pretty sure this is going to be strong on the horror aspect uh yes uh, definitely got that feel then this is for you so just on a new number one of something that kicked off this is something new that started, and that might be something you're interested in. What about you? So I think everyone's probably dumbfounded that we've made it through most of the episode and not uttered the word strange adventures yet, and that's because we needed to save it for this segment. And so Tom King and Mitch Gerard, their Mr. Miracle run was absolutely amazing. We talked ad nauseum about it. So strange adventures was going to be the thing that we were really curious about as well, and so like I said, we're talking about Adam Strange, a space adventurer that gets pulled out of Earth and flung across the universe to this strange world because of being exposed to beta rays. And so, you know, you know, being exposed to rays of things and space travel and becoming a rocket man. Congratulations. You now understand roughly who Adam Strange is. And this is a deep cut from old school DC. And that's why I love that, you know, the first outing was Mr. Miracle, who people know of, but is usually not the, I'm going to tell a really crazy visceral story about. Well, this team, I don't know how, but they take these characters and then they drop them in our world, give them our circumstances, and then craft a story. And this one is shaping up to be a murder mystery, of all things, that Strange is back on earth with his wife and he's written a book about being in the wars all the way across the other galaxy where he met his wife on her home planet and a fan comes up to him and like loses his mind and then a couple days later they find him um, missing a head <laughs> very dead and so sets up a story of adam's like i i didn't do it 
I need someone to help me with this. And out of pure insanity, we, we get a glimpse at a major DC hero early who turns down Strange, and then a brief introduction tease to another fairly, it's I won't say deep cut, but it's a character you don't typically see a lot in DC, and I'm here for the ride already. I'm like, okay. Well, the sp- okay, so I, I'm not going to, yeah. I don't want to say this to spoil it, but I'm like, you do realize he's got an ongoing book. He does at the moment, yes. For like ever, like 30 issues or something. <laughs> it's the one that I'm kind of confused at because I I wanted to like that book. But... I I and me too for not for other reasons, but um I couldn't. But go on. Yeah, so that's why I say that even that dumping him in rebirth was kind of a shock, but here we are again. Okay. I, I'm also like looking under all the covers going, where's Darkseid? Well, this definitely and I don't feels think, I don't, like... I don't think they're going to go there, but we'll Mr. see. Mr. Miracle is... Like, it feels like the Mr. Miracle world. Right. Like, you know, like, straight up, this feels like uh, Adam Strange and Scott Free would be sitting next to each other at a con signing autographs. Right. Or, like, they literally live in the same condo and they're part of the same association. Because I'm just looking at this going, man, you guys just nailed this superhuman, superhero family vibe that feels a lot like my problems and stuff, which is kind of the idea of what a lot of comics try have tried to do. But it's hard to describe that. Yeah, Adam feels very hipstery, just like Scott Free felt very hipstery. But I, I'm along for this ride. It's it's. They're not going to come out fast enough, <laughs> but I, I'm really excited for it. The art gives you all the same vibes that you got from Mr. Miracle, and you get the feeling that even when you think you know what's going on, you probably don't, which means that this is going to be another crazy ride. And I may be in the category of fanboy at this point, but I don't really care because I, I think this is going to be strong. And it opened really strong and with characters that I would have never imagined are the ones interacting with each other. So Strange Adventures and Mercy come out as our must pickups of number ones this week. But I'm breaking our own rule as we start this segment. And I have a follow up that I just got to say. And for all you Marvel fans, Strange Academy number one from Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos was a ton of fun. So you can think Avenger Academy, except with magic-wielding folks, and they're from all across the multiverse. So there's some really interesting new characters here. There's lots of classic characters that are going to be the teachers of this academy. So it's a ton of fun, and I think that's exactly what folks need right now. And this is a book that you can get your kids into super easy. So if you're looking for that academy feel, that high school, private school feel of upcoming sorcerers and whatnot in the Marvel Universe, Strange Academy looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. So rush out to your local comic shop and give that a go. So that's kind of all the wonderful things we want you guys to be reading, what we would recommend out of the last two weeks. But before we go this week, we want to introduce something a little new. It's kind of a tweak on what we were doing. As some of you remember, we were having folks comment on Wednesdays the things that we weren't reading. We have a better idea. We want to hear your glorious voices on our show. So 
Hector and I want to hear about your favorite reads, and you can give us a call. That's right. You can call us at 706-530-1412, and that number will be in the show notes, so you don't have to sit there and figure out what I just said. And leave us a 30-second message about your fave read, and you'll be on the next episode telling the world about what you are currently reading and enjoying. It's that simple, kids. Buy comics, read them, call, and nerd out. So we'll be listening to those, and just leave a message. That phone number is us, I swear. And... Hopefully, you'll make it on to the next episode. We just think this is a great way for y'all to be a part of what we do each and every week and folks to hear from you. So it's that easy. Let us know who you are and what you're reading. Keep it to about 30 seconds. We may edit it down, and we'll try to feature you after our polls every week so people can find out what we're missing and what you need to read. So we love to hear about the stuff that you're pulling and reading, so don't forget. Give us a call. Hit us up Friday the following week that the episode comes out at that phone number, and we'll feature you right here on the show. So that's it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode one of season two is in the books and now in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. As many as you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with two other amazing podcasts that are also part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris does interviews with game designers, producers, and creators and gets to the heart of why they do what they do. And the Free Play Podcast with Bubba, Matt, and Kate covers just about everything else that's nerdy and in between it's a lot of fun it's a great little conversation with those folks each and every week about things going on in nerd culture especially a lot with video games and tabletop so don't miss out on either of those other great shows here at love thy nerd so guys hector and i want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Help us help you help us tell other people about where they can hear about comics on a bi-weekly basis. So thanks for listening. This is the start of Season 2. And remember, kids, read more comics.